Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. This program goes out on Monday night on our own YouTube channel. Just go to Switzer Financial Group YouTube and you'll be there. Become a subscriber and press the like button. On tonight's show, the coronavirus has hit stocks at long last and we'll ask CMC Markets Michael McCarthy and Berman Invest Julia Lee how they will play the market and what stocks could be a buying opportunity in this strange, strange time. Then we'll shine the spotlight on a coronavirus affected stock, namely Rebjet, with the company's MD John Gusick. This is a very insightful interview, I think, from John telling us about where this company might be going. And then Charlie Aitken and Paul Rickard will tell us how they're going to play this coronavirus scared stock market at a time when I think a lot of people are asking the question, how bad could this be? Before we go, we'd love you to join us for our small and microcap investor day in Sydney next Tuesday, 3rd of March. The day will provide exclusive insights from ASX listed company CEOs, along with Michael McCarthy and Julia Lee and Tony Featherston, on a range of investment opportunities across all sectors in the exciting small and microcap space. Tickets are going fast, so if you would like to secure your spot, please click on the Eventbrite link in the description below. We look forward to seeing you there. So let's go to Julia Lee and Michael McCarthy to see how they're going to play this coronavirus-affected stock market. Well, the coronavirus has hit the stock market today and we've been expecting it for some time. Uh, but I want to talk to uh, Julia Lee of Boom Invest and Michael McCarthy of CMC Markets to see what they think is going to happen with the market, where they would want to, want to invest because of the likely substantial sell-off we're, we're going to see. Well, hey, I should start with guys. Do you think there's going to be a substantial sell-off, Julian? I think so. Um, I guess when we have a look at financial markets, it's normal for there to be shocks to the market. But generally when we talk about shocks, they tend to be financial shocks. So for um, too much financial risk, some mm. sort of systematic shock that happens. What we're seeing this time around is a, a human tragedy as well as, um, you know, China, South Korea, they're exporters to the world. So we're seeing really a supply side shock that mm. could also impact the demand side. So potentially looking at a slowdown to, I guess, the, the, the late cycle continued growth scenario that we were looking at a few months ago. On the flip side, I guess, we ha if we have a look at the coronavirus, there's both um, more positive news and negative news that's come out today. The market's obviously focused on the negative news, which is the number of cases in South Korea as well as over in Italy. So the external um, transmission of the coronavirus. But if we have a look at within China, uh, we're seeing quite a drop in and the number of cases, uh, the reported cases have, has been dropping off, even though the number of deaths reported today was high. But if you think about two weeks ago, there was about 5,000 cases that were reported to that day and today we saw about 400 cases so okay. you can see the stark difference there so actually we saw uh, three provinces in Hubei um, reporting no instances of coronavirus mm. so there are some positive signals coming out of China but the worry now is that it's not just travelers which were the main risk of transmission but we're seeing other methods of, of transmission mm. there. Mark? 
I think it's going to get worse before it gets better, Peter. There's no two ways about this. And market thinking has done a 180-degree turn. In the middle of last week, investors globally were expecting we'd see a bit of demand distraction and a bit of disruption in the first and possibly second quarter, and everything would be fine by uh, the second half of the year. I think we've now seen a bit of a shift away from that, and, and particularly the cases in Italy and the travel restrictions in Europe, I think have brought home to a lot of investors globally uh, that this could be spreading faster than we think. So um, I, th I think it'll have a bigger impact. Frank Peter, I think it would be very healthy for the long-term outlook for the market to get a correction. A pullback of 10%, I think, would be good news because it would give an opportunity to get back into some top stocks. Uh, and those who have been following an active strategy and sold when the market got close to 7,000 or above it are really well positioned now. And anybody who bought put options, of course, Which you reckon <laughs> was, was, is looking okay today. Yeah. Remind us, did you say it was... $1,700 to get what kind of protection? 17000 on a million dollar portfolio. It'd be more expensive now. For 95% um, protection. Yeah, that's right. So, um, and that, yes, 1.7% of the, of the value of the portfolio to insure it at 95%. If there's a viewer out there who took his tip, um, please contact Mark. <laughs> I'd love to both praise him and you for being so smart. All right, Julia, let's talk about the companies that you think would be good value um, as a consequence of the sell-off, but they would then have a rebound once the worst is all clear. Sure, well, you know, I like numbers, so I've been crunching numbers all day. I went back to 2009 and had a look at all those times in the market where we did see a sell-off of more than 2% in a single session. And there's been a number of causes, whether we thought that Spain was gonna fall over, Italy was gonna fall over, mm -hmm. Deutsche Bank was gonna fall over, and there was gonna be Armageddon in terms of derivatives and contagion over the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. There's been SARS, there's been H1N1. September 11. So I had a look at all the, um, the falls that we've seen and generally even though we see large falls it only takes at the most around about three months for the market to actually bottom out and in fact most cases it takes a shorter time than that. I had a look at specific stocks on the market as well for example today some of those market related stocks like Magellan were sold off heavily. It was down by six percent and I had a look at all those times the market had sold off by more than two percent and usually Magellan sells off by more than double the amount the market's fallen. Mm. But three months later, it's usually up substantially. And mm. on average, all the time that the markets have fallen, more than 2% since 2009, February 2009, Magellan was up by an average of 20% three months later. Mm. So the fear is, you know, heightened at the moment, but I think as the weather does get warmer, sort of in March and April, that perhaps some of those bad news and those headlines will get more of an understanding mm. around the coronavirus. And um, while we will see an impact in terms of global growth, mm. I think that the markets will price that in as they get the knowledge. So, Maka, are you using what I would call the Imran Khan approach to buying shares? Investing like, like a tiger. That's right. Investing <laughs> like a tiger. <laughs> but when you do, but when is the pounce? Is he, he's a really Imran Khan player. Well, well, pick that one up. Peter, I, I'd like to point out that we all sometimes have a failure of collective memory. Mm. Because you don't have to have been an investor very lot for very long to have experienced a 15% drop in the market. Between September 2018 mm. and December 2018, the market came off 15%. Trade war and interest rates in the US, two mm. big causes. Absolutely yeah. right. So we've been through this before, and investors need to keep that in mind. Now, you don't have to jump straight in. You've got time to wait and see. I've been studying the charts today to see what price signals I can get. And the first line in the sand for me is at 6,885, just below 6,900. Uh, so we could hold there 
I can't rule that out. When we see volatility like this, uncertainty also goes up. But if we did breach that level, I'd have a target closer to 6,400, and I'd love the opportunity to, yeah. to be loading up the yeah, shares around too, that level. But and I think we have to remember that we are heavily dependent on China, mm. yeah, and so therefore we probably could cop it harder than the, even the US because we are more dependent on China. But what I do like hearing is the fact that you're seeing that, saying that maybe the Chinese bad story is becoming less bad, and so therefore, if it's a supply chain problem, that might be solved within a month. You know, if, for example, there's less fear around going yeah. back in the factory, making the stuff, putting it on a boat and sending it to Australia. Well, I've been thinking ab about the impacts. And initially in January, what I did sell off were oil and gas companies mm. because of the fear around um, demand destruction, mm. um, as well as some of the material stocks, because China is the big consumer of commodities. But I guess as we get further into the, the horrible headlines and the journey of coronavirus, mm. a lot of people are working from home. So the impacts of that, whether you know, they're watching more television, using more internet, um, buying more things online, so that there's that sort of impact as well. And then I guess just in terms of medical supplies, don't forget the Aussie dollar as well. It's the lowest that we've seen in a while. A lot of those companies where um, perhaps they're not exporting to China, but other countries um, at, and benefiting from that lower Australian dollar, um, mm. I guess would be interesting to look at. And, and so, you know, with its medical supplies as well. I think that's one of the potential bell ringers for investors. At the moment, uh, there's no consensus around the direction of the Australian dollar. There are plenty of people calling it f to go significantly lower. I hear 60 US cents mm. a lot. There are others who think we've got a bounce of 72 coming. So it's a divided market. But if a consensus starts to emerge and investors get the sense that everybody wants to buy the Australian dollar, that could also be the time to buy shares. Mm. Because if international investors think the Aussie dollar is going up, it makes Australian shares much more attractive okay. to them. Following you, I've got an interview I did last week with John Guzik, the CEO of uh, Webjet, just after the, um, the reporting's um, um, performance from them. And he, he said that he was a bit worried about the coronavirus. Um, I know you, you might have a view on Webjet, but all those sorts of stocks, like Flight Senate, is going to cop it, Hello Qantas. World, all Qantas, uh, Virgin, they're all going to cop it. Are they going to be effectively a buying opportunity if you if you pick the right time? Uh, because once the whole thing's over, travelling will begin begin again, and some people will be del delaying who should be travelling now, who will travel in May or June or whatever. Yeah, I think if you're looking for a, a bargain, there's certainly a bargain in those stocks. There's two things that I'd be looking for because we don't know the what it what's going to play out at the moment. So how long and the severity yeah. of the impact of coronavirus is going to be. You still need to look at the balance sheet to make sure there's enough, uh, I guess, um, not high levels of gearing to be able to see the company through yeah. uh, the, the weakness that we're seeing. And keeping in mind that um, things are still starting to escalate in terms of the travel implications. First, we were seeing airlines not traveling to um, just Wuhan, and then it was to China. And now we've seen Air New Zealand coming out to say that they won't be uh, flying to Seoul, South Korea, mm. um, until I think it's April. So we're still starting to see those travel impacts come through, and especially if you start to see that in mm. Europe as well. Mm, Maka, would you be a buyer of Qantas at the right time over the next month or so, if it, if it kept falling? 
Oh, if it keeps falling, absolutely. It'd mm. definitely be on my radar. And I'd point out that the airline stocks like Webjet, Qantas and Virgin have the uh, potential to act just like Clydesdale Bank did for Brexit. Mm. So they could well become traders' favourites, magnifying, uh, mm. perhaps on the way down, mm. magnifying the falls, but also in any recovery scenario, mm. magnifying the gains. Mm. So that'll make them very attractive to traders. And that means there could be opportunities for investors, particularly if they hit extremes in price. Okay. Is there a stock either of you want to share with us before we say hasta la vista, baby? Uh, well, I have been looking at the financial space because we have seen, been You're seeing some Magellan, <laughs> Magellan and Pinnacle as well. Yeah. Um, but look, I, you know me, I wait for the, the uh, falls to stop. Mm. Uh, I don't like catching a falling life knife and I wait for the recovery to come back in um, at least a little bit before I jump in. And at the moment, it is dependent on the duration and the severity of the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. well, Peter, one of the things I look for in a falling market is any stocks that go up. Right, that can be yeah. a sign of underlying strength. Now, yeah. only 16 stocks in the top 200 rows today, and I think 12 of them were gold stocks. Mm. But Ingham's Chicken was mm. up almost 4%. Mm. Now, it's told... This is a bit of a struggle, old Ingham's, isn't it? Absolutely, and I'm still... keep. I, I haven't invested in Ingham's yeah. before, so I don't know it as well as I know some other stocks. So I'm looking at it because a 4% rise on a day... Sorry, 2.9% rise on a day like today... Mm is a bit of a bell ringer for me. And there's a fundamental reason. The companies are processing, had uh, costs had blown out. They tried to implement uh, new processes and it didn't work. Uh, and that blow out in costs saw the half uh, uh, profit report dropping off a cliff. Mm. But today, oh, sorry, last week, they told us that that process improvement is now in place and they put those troubles behind them. And that means earnings are likely to be revised upwards. So mm. that strength today really caught my eye. I'm not saying I'm jumping in today, mm. but that really caught my eye. Okay. There's two reasons why Ingham's is also interesting. Um, I guess because we've seen rain now, one of the biggest costs in raising a chicken is feeding them. So feed costs are coming down. Yeah. But secondly, it's not so much related to Ingham's, but the chicken industry globally. And that is that China is killing a lot of chickens because of the coronavirus. So I think it's 1% of the chicken market. Farmers have been mm. um, forced to kill them. So mm. I think they are planning to import them in from the US, which is part of the, um, uh, I guess, the amended trade mm. deal. But that would be an area to be yeah, watching There was well. Chicken Little who kept saying the sky is falling. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to put you on the spot because this is an interesting company. Um, Blackmores, China. If China is possibly getting better, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing for a company like Blackmores? Oh, well, you'd think that vitamins, you know, this would yeah. be the time to be it's consuming not. them. But the latest update we got from Blackmores, you know, there were signs mm. of less demand. Don't forget about that Daegu channel, which is the dependent on trade. the suitcase trade, which yeah. is dependent on people mm. coming to Australia, filling up the suitcases and going, going back. So, look, uh, I'm Not now, but in the future, do you think? If, if Chinese tourists come back, I figure they'll come back one day. Yeah, I think there could be bargains mm. in that food area, um, yeah. certainly with some of the, the food. And, you know, recently we've seen uh, China once again buying dairy assets here in Australia yeah. through Kieran's assets. Um, so definitely that food story, I think, is, uh, is still a good one. And the opportunities are there. I'd just be waiting a week or two before going yeah, all out of shopping. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Not for me, Peter. Price action is telling me that this is weaker than other potential exposures in that channel. Yeah. I'd rather buy A2, for example, yeah. uh, than the Blackmores for a China exposure. It seems like a different company than the one that Christine um, Holgate used to manage. The one that traded up to $220 a share. That's right. Yeah. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. That's Julia Lee from Bermuda Invest and Michael McCarthy from CNC Markets.
We're catching up with the MD of Webjet. This is a, a, a great Australian company, uh, but occasionally cops the headwinds from all the unusual things in the tourism sector. And of course, the latest one is the coronavirus. So it's great to catch up with John Gusick uh, after a pretty good uh, reporting um, session. Well done, mate. Thank you, Peter. Mm, Delighted yeah. to be here. Yeah, it's always good having you. And over the, the nine years, I guess, we've interviewed, you've generally only ever come here and you have consistently come here, but I think only once was a bad report. Yes. Now there's another good report. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said in the intro, there are headwinds in your in your industry, and sometimes people in the media um, come up with negative reports. And I think well, has John Cusick's great run you know, ended, but you now you've proved them wrong again. So what I want to talk to you about today is what's going on with the company, and uh, and what's going to happen in the future. All right. Cool. Okay. Delighted good. to do that. Okay. Um, so tell us about the report that came out uh, this week. Uh, we had uh, a standout result when we grew our EBITDA, underlying EBITDA by 44%. Um, well, B2B business, which mm. you know very well is web, called Webbeds. Yeah, and never uh, used to be, that's a good yeah, name, yeah, Webbeds. Good name, yeah, yeah. My, my kids came up with that. So <laughs> um, the Webbeds business uh, was a standout performer. It uh, delivered 80% improvement on EBITDA, and it's now the largest division in our business. So in our world, uh, and being a publicly listed company in Australia, it's a pretty unique set of circumstances that seven years ago, uh, we pivoted from being just exclusively the Webjet brand, which mm -hmm. the vast majority of your uh, vast uh, viewing audience will know us as. Yep. Um, we pivoted and we went into a new division, which, was the, which is now called Webbeds, and it's the wholesaling of hotel rooms. Mm. And what that does is basically provide the connection with a consumer and the people who have the inventory, mm. and we are the middleman between those two parties. Mm. But what's unique about our position is that seven years later, we're number two on the global space, so not just in Australia, on a global space. And our Webbeds In terms business, of bed, beds? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we, we, we're on track to, well, we've just delivered $2.3 billion worth of hotel sales mm. last financial year or the last 12 months on yeah. a run rate basis. Yeah. And uh, there's not many Australian companies where they can say seven years down the track they've pivoted and they're number two in that space. And yeah. we're naturally delighted to, to have achieved that. Yeah, you, you say wholesale, does that mean that travel agents are, are an important part of your, your story? Or? Yeah, travel agents are about 25% uh, of yeah. our customers. And that, yeah. and that I, would, I would thought, is a reliable um, group of consumers who keep coming back Absolutely. to you. Yeah, we're, we're, Ordinary customers can come and go and, and, and be influenced by television ads. A, a, a business has, has a business relationship. That gives you solidity, I would have thought. Well, as you can appreciate, there's been a massive transformation in the buying patterns of consumers around the world. Mm. You know, we had the last 20 years of a significant shift to online bookings. Yeah. And retail travel agents have gone through a, a difficult period. Mm. They've plateaued and they're mm. starting to grow. So if I look to our customer base in North America, our customer base in Europe, our customer base in uh, Asia, people still want a high-touch interaction yeah. for a large purchase, mm. and our hotels uh, typically book for a long period of time, so yeah. they are a large purchase. So yeah, and I guess there, there are there are those consumers who really back themselves that they can find the best deal. Oh, of course. But most of us are so busy, we'd rather get an expert who's good at chasing good deals, and even if you get a couple of agents to see who has it the best they know their way around the traps. There's certainly a significant proportion of the population who does exactly what you've just suggested. Yeah, okay. Now, let's talk us through a number of things. Um, 
I've got some numbers here. May 13, 2019, you were a $16.80 company. By August 10, you dropped down to, what, 10, well, August sometime, $10.05. Yep. Yep. And that's when I was thinking, I've trusted Cusick my whole life, and my, <laughs> well, at least for nine years. Nine years. And my, and my viewers had trusted him as well. And, yep. uh, but it also was around the Thomas Cook time. Yep. Thomas Cook was September. Yep. Did, did the market kind of anticipate Thomas Cook's problem and then they Priced spliced it, it onto you? No. No, I didn't think because it, no. it was a, a month after. Yeah, no. So what was going wrong at that, then, John? Um, as you'd appreciate, um, sentiment's a, a fickle beast. Yeah. So when momentum's going your way, um, people jump on board. Yeah. And it's remarkable, um, we had a strong day yesterday, we were up more than 10%, and I have people I know who would say, is this a good time to get in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it's $10, no one rings me to say, is this a good time to get in? But I can assure you, when it's $10, it's a much better time to get in yeah. than when it was $17. And yeah. the evidence is, is, is clear. Mm. Um, to your earlier, right at the introduction, you, you spoke about um, some of the headwinds that are perceived in the travel industry. Mm. So um, coronavirus being the latest, um, in August of last year, there was concerns about our business and clearly it was oversold. Mm. Um, so, and, and we have been a volatile stock. There is, mm. there is no getting away from that. But if we take the longer term view, which I know that you will mm. uh, look at, you know, from when I first started talking to you, we were $2, we're now $13. Mm. Um, this is not the, the end, it's uh, not the beginning of the end, this yeah. is just the end of the beginning. We're, yeah. we're on a, a trajectory and I have no doubt that when I see you in nine years time, hmm. we'll be a lot more than $13. Gee, I tell you what, I have a lot less here in nine years time, mate. Now look, um, on that point, it's, you've always said to me, well, in recent times you said to me, this pivoting into wholesale yep. beds and it was called all different names, mm -hmm. web beds now. Yeah. That has been a really important part of the business. Does it have a lot of growth upside, this part of Absolutely. the business? Absolutely. Does it? I'll give you, I'll give, uh, I'll give you the, the, the potential. We're the number two player globally in that space. Mm. Uh, we just did 2.3 billion for the last uh, 12 months and we think the market opportunity is 75 billion. Mm. So we're the number two player with 3% of the market. Yeah. Okay. Enormous headroom. Mm. And the beauty is we're not reliant, and, and what I think some Australian investors sometimes lose sight of, we're not reliant on federal government reducing the interest rate or tax cuts flowing through. It's a, it's a global business. 99.9% mm. .9 of our revenues are outside of Australia. Yeah. So we're pretty well insulated from the vagaries of one particular Even market. exchange rates, I guess. Exchange yeah. rates, yeah, we're, we're complex hedging, yeah. but we, 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 we don't, we're not, price sensitive to an exchange rate issue. So, for example, yesterday I was asked by uh, other less esteemed journalists than yourself, mm. um, does the, 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 the Australian dollar being at GFC levels mm. influence travel? Well, it's going to influence where people go, but it's not going to determine whether or not they go overseas for a holiday. Mm. So that's one part of our business. But now as we're speaking, speaking about our web business, which is the largest part of our business, it has no influence. Mm. It just makes Australia an attractive destination. Yeah. So people will come. And you've got travel agents in America who are Absolutely. working with you in the UK or Middle East or whatever. All of those. Yeah. All right. So um, given that, one of the, what are the likely, what's the, the, the runway, the good, good mm -hmm. term in your industry, looking like over the next 12 months? A 12 months is going to be tricky. Uh, no doubt coronavirus is... Um, is meaningfully changing um, 
the behaviour in China. China to us has become a, a, a zero market. So it's gone from one of our fastest growing markets yeah. to zero. That's the, uh, the inevitability of the shutdown. Yeah. So um, both as a destination and as a source market. Mm. Um, there's a little bit of knock-on effect to uh, Southeast Asia, uh, but our US business mm. will continue to grow okay. and will be up on last year. Mm. Our uh, Middle East and Europe business will be all up on last year. So the, the broader sense will be, um, for us, the next six months, roughly flat. The, the, the Asian impact will offset the growth, but once uh, the, the, the virus is under control, as we've seen with every other one of these similar viruses, we see a rapid rebound. So it's a V-shaped mm. recovery, yeah. and there's significant pent-up demand at that point in time. People mm. who have been shut down want to travel, and mm. you'll see uh, a superior result. So I think that if, assuming the, uh, the medical experts are correct, mm. I think the second half of calendar year 20 will be strong. Okay. I, I always make the argument that when I invest is I buy quality companies when the market gets it wrong. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from Jeff Bezos who said during the dot-com bust, we were, one day we were a $100 stock and the next day we were $6. And he said my business hadn't changed one bit. He yep. said, yeah, I think he was saying uh, books and, D and um, um, DVDs in those times. Yep. He said, my business hasn't changed a bit, but the, the market's valuation had as well. So buying sure. quality companies when the market gets it wrong. What's the strongest argument that you are a quality company, despite the fact the price jumps around? Yep. It's the long-term value of your company that will underline the quality. Absolutely. So the, the, uh, let's take it in three parts. Yeah. Part one, we're in the travel industry. The travel industry... For all the vagaries that, again, you've mm. described very uh, eloquently at the start, mm. for all the vagaries of the travel industry, it grows faster than GDP. Yeah. And so, the Chinese are getting into uh, absolutely, it big time. Absolutely. Yeah, right. and, and, we are, and we have uh, we have more than 25 people sitting in China today supporting our customers. So the travel industry will grow. Right. There will be ups and downs, and the volatility which has been reflected in our share price is an indication mm. of short-term issues, but it's not an indication of long-term value. Right. Point one. Point two is that a B2B business, as we've already touched on, has got an enormous runway. Mm. We're, we're, we're untapped. We're the fastest growing player in that market. Um, we believe that over time, we can be number one in the space. And the number mm. one guy is doing $10 billion and we're doing 2.3. Mm, so okay. we think we have that opportunity. And the third is getting the, uh, the right quality of management team to support all of those initiatives. Notwithstanding the weaknesses that I display in my interviews with you, the yeah, rest of the management team. Particularly the shirts you wear. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I dress down just for you today. You're lucky. You're in the travel industry. I, I tolerate that kind of Thank thing. you. Yeah. Your, your, your forbearance is, is noted. <laughs> um, so the, the, the management team where we've got I think the best guy in Asia running our, our, our Asian division for our B2B business, the, the, the guy in the Middle East is, is exemplary, same in Europe. So we've got a really strong depth of talent and they know the industry really well. They're well connected, well established and they've proven to deliver great results for us. So they're the three things that I'd look for. Okay. I've asked a lot of questions I want to ask. I could ask a whole lot more, I've had more time. Is there a, a better question I should have asked that you could actually ask in an answer? Um, you covered off my shirt, which is the most important question. I right. think you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. You've done it well. Okay, John Guzik, thanks for joining us. Peter, thank you. That's John Guzik, the MD of Webjet.
Well, at long last, the Australian stock market has reacted, well, I think it's properly, to the coronavirus. Uh, a big sell-off today. And given the fact that we are heavily dependent on China as a key customer, it's not a surprise. The fact is that it has taken a long time to happen. Let's just see how our professionals, Charlie Aitken from Aitken Investment Management, and our own Paul Rickard from the Switch Report, how they're seeing this sell-off today. Charlie, is it overdue? Probably more than likely, yeah. We've all been sitting here for weeks wondering why the markets were so resilient in the face of this. Yeah. And of course, in a couple of days, it, it, it loses its resilience. So, look, I think it's a, a, a proper reaction, but I think there'll be opportunity. I look, my, my approach is to look for opportunity amongst it. Yeah. yeah and I think that's you know, what I'll be doing over the next few days. Is it a bit like a David Jones clearance sale? Well, yeah, well no, David Jones is probably the wrong example. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. bit irrelevant. A like, department store department clearance sale. clearance sale. Mining clearance sale. They have one, right? <laughs> Put it this way. I mean, my approach is if you get an equity clearance sale, equity sell-off as an asset class, yeah. you look for the best assets that are rarely on sale. So yeah. look for quality in this process. Look for things that are getting sold just because they're equities. And, you know, try and look out six, nine, 12 months from now where the world will be. Mm. And that's, I think that's the way to approach these sort of events. Okay, Paul, what do you say? Yeah, look, I think so, Peter. I mean, I've been surprised we haven't seen more of reaction earlier on, and maybe it's now because of the uh, the impacts a little bit outside China. We're also getting to see companies, quite a lot of companies talking about disruptions to their supply chain. Mm -hmm. And I guess the issue that we all have is that are these disruptions something that defer sales forever mm. or just put sales back a couple of months? Yep. And if, they, if they're in the latter category, well, they're going to recover. It depends it, on the it, business, doesn't it, yeah. really? It depends on the product they sell. Mm. I would say like consumer goods like a Starbucks coffee or a hotel room that's not booked now, that's a lost sale. Mm. You know, or a visit to you know, Disneyland, that's a lost sale probably. But an Apple iPhone or a Louis Vuitton handbag, I think that's a deferred sale. So it's really a hugely interesting point. But the main point is this has turned into, as Paul said, a supply chain disruption. And that leads to weakness in GDP, weakness in equity earnings, and the markets have got to get their head around this. Okay. And, and you know, let's not can't forget how bond rates, mm. bond, bond yields have fallen. I mean, we've now got the 30-year bond in the US below 1.9%. 10 years below in the low 1.4s, mm. been a huge rally in bond yields. So pressure again on central banks, particularly the US Fed coming back to ease. The market's probably going to, is talking more about that, Peter, so yeah. we shouldn't uh, underestimate that. Well, let's, let's think what you can probably rule out for the next six or 12 months, any rate hikes anywhere. Mm. So the alternative is that the, 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 you know, the return on cash is still going to be very low. Return in fixed interest markets going to be very low. As we come out the other side of this, I think the, the chance of higher interest rates is very, very limited. So that's something we all need to think about, in the, you know, not just on today. Are we talking about a, um, a near-term recession? Well, I mean, technically, you could easily have one. Australia's 38% of Australia's exports go to China. Mm. I mean, technically. Mm. I mean, whether that means anything doesn't mean a lot to me. It's a, it's a statistic. But would it get headlines and hurt confidence? Yeah, it would. You know, you could have two quarters in Australia of negative GDP growth, mm. but just because we face China. Now, it's not our own fault. Unfortunately, we've had bushfires, floods and coronavirus. Mm. And if that, that causes the first technical recession in Australia in 30 years, I don't think it's the end of the world. Mm. Paul? Look, we could, Peter. I mean, I think I think the uh, I think it's put a straight to one side here. People are watching the U.S. Fed. Um, you know, I think that's probably the, the better one to look at. And you know, there's obviously a bit of a mounting case, you know, for interest rate cuts. Mm. Uh, and that would actually quite could do quite a turn market sentiment again on its head mm. again. So mm. I wouldn't rule that out, Peter. But I think that's too early at this point All in right, time. But, but, but you're right. I mean, the, the, we just don't know. Uh, the question of this is how long does it play out for, and mm. what is really the impact? Well, that's been to, the question since yeah, the start, isn't and, it? So and how long is this? And it's been, as I said at the outset, it's been mm. surprising the market, particularly in the US, didn't react earlier. But mm. um, because my, my simple view is this has not been a US problem till now. 
no offense to any Americans watching this, but they're very insular. They look at themselves and 50% of them don't even have a passport. Mm. So they, they care about what happens in their state, their territory, yeah. their unemployment, yep. until it starts affecting a proper global supply chain and affecting America. And you're seeing a little bit of that now. I, I said to my team at work, like to, for Americans to really get involved in this, you probably need like the New York subway shut down or something, mm. like to really bring home this a global event. Yeah. But that hasn't <clears throat> happened yet. And America's proved probably so far the safe haven in terms of lack mm. of virus. So yeah. and of course a lot of Americans won't travel abroad, mm. so they go to Las Vegas. No. So, you know, in many ways it's well, we need to keep good. a very close eye on that. If you start seeing cases pick up in America, this does become an American event. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How are you gonna invest going forward? Paul, you wanna play safe and buy a non affected stock, don't yeah, you? Yeah, look, I'm not necessarily playing safe, Peter. I mean I, mean, I think um, yeah this is could be an opportunity. Too early yet to look at if, if some companies get beaten up and go down simply because of the virus, they're not really impacted by it, mm. that's the chance to pick them up. Now, it hasn't really happened yet, but 2.2% uh, you know, sell off today. It's the start of something. Let's see how it plays out. I mean, um, you know, CSL is a company that, that's down about 3% today. Is that a, you know, he's sort of starting mm. to get back onto radars. I actually like a couple of defensive, Peter, but I just think that they, if, if they get beaten up badly, they're the ones to look for, but um, yeah, name names. Yeah. Well, look, I, I've been a, actually been a huge anti-Medibank private person. Mm -hmm. um, I've never really liked it, but I'm starting to like it, Peter, simply because I think it's actually, despite all the all the headwinds in the private health industry, and everyone knows what those headwinds are. We know that there's you know falling usage rate. We know there's pressure on premiums from the government. We know that there's pressure on claims because uh, people can keep inventing new things and prosthesis gets more expensive. And we know the whole age demographic is changing because health, you know, older people are using it more and, and younger people are getting out of the system mm. and we need more younger people in, to subsidise it effectively. Despite all those things, it's actually picking up market share. Its, it's main brand, that's the uh, main Medibank brand, almost stabilised, it's cut costs. I just think that we're gonna see mergers and maybe other things in that sector and at the right price, this is a, a fairly safe oh, stock. With, boring, yeah. Peter, boring, totally okay. boring. Okay, well, but, we're uh, do yeah. boring. With <laughs> franking, what's the dividend? Look, it's just, it's around 4%. They might have to cut with their, franking yeah, with pre, uh, Fast franking takes it up to a five and a half. Yeah, well, yeah that's They might have bad. to do a bit of dividend cutting just yet the, at the full year, but mm. I think it's you know, around about the 275 to 280 level. It could be quite attractive for income players, right? Okay, right here, Charlie. I think the other point with Medibank, not that I own Medibank, mm -hmm. it's uh, got a great balance sheet, it's debt free, mm -hmm. it just has net cash. So okay. in this sort of environment, the very last thing you want right now is a very cyclical stock with a lot of gearing, mm. because that, that can be a very nasty combination mm. in the, if this Okay, persists. great point, great point. But look, for me, it's about like finding, you know, looking back at just sticking to the process, looking for the great businesses that are broadly unaffected by this, but their PE you know, has come down a little bit. I mean, I'll be looking at the things like Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, and look, I'd have to say that if I was looking for something in Australia, a long duration asset that may get hit temporarily on this, it'd actually be something like a Sydney airport that I'd, that I'd potentially have yeah, a look at. Yeah, you know, It'll go down short term. Yeah, I mean, Qantas only goes down 7% today, but yeah. at the end of the day, there's only one way in and out of Sydney, and it's Sydney airport at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I just, that's sort of the thing that mm -hmm. might come onto my radar, pardon the pun. Mm -hmm. But uh, look, I think you also. Yeah, I, I always pardon puns. I like puns. I, know, I encourage them. But you just don't want to deviate too much. It's like. I would rather concentrate my portfolio into great businesses in these sort of, yeah. rather than diversify too much. Yeah. So if I get a chance to buy a great business with a nice margin of safety, yeah. I will do that. Okay. That's Charlie Aiken and Paul Rickard. Thanks for joining us.